three, protect the pilot. You are the Apex Champions. Welcome to the Good Games Gaming Podcast, your bi-weekly gaming podcast. I'm your host, Shay, joined by my co-host, Henry. Henry, how's it going today? It's going great. I, I think this is going to be a really fun episode. This is a game we've enjoyed so far, and I'm happy to dive into it. I just love picking and choosing the games we're talking about right now. It's all pretty positive. Like We get to talk about the games we're enjoying for the most part. Yeah, you only get on this show if it's a good game. Exactly. That's so, the whole point. GG's at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, check us out on Instagram at goodgamespod. Uh, we kind of post some stuff about the game that we've talked about for this uh, episode on there. And so we get some more information, some clarification on maybe some visuals we will talk about a little bit in this pod. Uh, today, we're going to be reading some reviews, talking about the great game Rogue Company and continuing our making a game and selling a game segment from last episode. Guys, this is going to be a fun one. We're a gaming podcast, a place for us to talk about our favorite games and what is going on in the gaming universe and hopefully interact with a lot of avid gamers that are listening. Make sure to leave us some five-star reviews, though. If you're listening on Apple Pods, give us a follow on Spotify. We always try to read off our five-star reviews, so we're going to get into that now. First review is coming from Zombie 23 Both of your podcasts are in the top three of my favorite podcasts. Five stars for comedy, five stars for quality, and five stars for good hosts. That's a lot of stars. Heck yeah. If you want a fun shooter that is online multiplayer and cartoon-like, then play Plants vs. Zombies Garden Warfare 2. It's a shooter that has two teams with seven classes, and each class has different variants that do different things. Playing this game is a lot of fun. Hopefully this podcast is a hit for everyone. I've never played any uh, Plants vs. Zombies. Have you? I've played uh, maybe the traditional one, maybe Plants vs. Zombies 2 as well, but never the the Garden Warfare. It seems kind of interesting. We might have to look into that one. We're always looking for some more games to try out. Thank you so much for the review. Next one's coming from Bridge to Ashes, five stars. I listened to the third party and was so excited that you guys decided to talk about more games as well as Apex. My suggestion would be Destiny 2. Fantastic. I mean, we've played a little bit of Destiny 2. Neither of us have grinded the game, mm-hmm. uh, but super fun. Um, you know, maybe we'll dive into it even deeper. We could dive into that game and then talk about it. I know it's it's got a lot of lot of fans, strong fan base, and it seems amazing. Every video I ever see of the game, the game just looks absolutely astounding. Yeah, it's stunning for sure. Next review is coming from Very Good. I came from the third-party pod, and I have a game suggestion, Just Cause 3 and 4. Say no more. Say no more. Very good. We are huge Just Cause fans over here. More so 3 than 4, at least from a game time standpoint, but we could definitely talk about those in the future. That's such a fun game. I mean, if it had co-op, it would be up there in our top five. I mean, no doubt. I love the wingsuit Mm -hmm. and the grapple. It's really awesome. Uh, Sammy Boy, next review, five stars. I came from the third party. I love that you guys can expand your influence to more games than Apex. Keep going and hope you can reach more people. Love you guys. Thank you, Sammy. If you guys haven't noticed, uh, we have a podcast called The Third Party Podcast where we talk about Apex Legends. So if you're ever interested in that game, we dive deep on things there. So thank you to all you who have transferred over, though, and are listening to us here. Your support has been astounding on this first episode. It really blew Henry and I's expectations out of the water, and it means a whole ton. 
Yeah. I mean, with either of our shows, you know, we set goals and uh, definitely exceeded our expectations, uh, growing a lot faster, getting a lot more uh, attention than our first show. So really happy to see that. And that's because of you guys. Uh, last traditional review for today is coming from Prompt Hornet. Another one came from the third party pod and I'm excited to see you grow your podcast careers. Also love the intro with BT. So amazing. I wish you guys the best with the new podcast. Much appreciated. Prompty Ornit. It means a lot. Uh, now we got a couple reviews that inspired this episode in a little bit. I mean, Henry and I obviously have our favorite games that we want to talk about, but when we see some reviews calling for the games that we're interested in, it's very inspiring for us to speak to those ones. Uh, first review is coming from Green Bean Washing. Although Apex is my favorite game by far, I also like to hear you guys talk about other games. Question, do you play Rogue Company? And if so, can you do an episode on it? On it? Thanks for the pod and keep up the good work. Here we are doing an episode on it. And then the second uh, review talking about Rogue Company is from The Spark on YT. I came from the third party podcast and it's cool to hear you guys running my favorite podcast, run another one, which of course will become one of my regular listens. Fantastic question. Could you guys do an episode on Rogue Company? It's been one of my favorite games to watch. I'd like to know more about it. Please continue doing your great work. Awesome. Thank you, Spark T. I'm glad you're watching Rogue. I wish you were out there playing it maybe a little bit more. Henry and I have toyed around with the idea of potentially streaming some of the games we talk about on this pod, uh, maybe like once a week for you guys or something. So if you're interested in, you know, watching us play Rogue Company after talking about it, uh, let us know on the Instagram or anywhere. I guess you guys already know where to find us that are from the third party. And we will definitely look into putting that on the schedule for sure. But now with that done, we're going to dive into the main topic of the day, talking about Rogue Company. An absolutely amazing game. Henry and I had some great first impressions of it. Your first impression of it was an advertisement, right? Yep. Yep. Advertisement on YouTube. Cinematic trailer. Mm -hmm. Definitely got me hyped. Yeah, definitely like had the uh, the animation style. Very interesting to us. And so we decided to dive in when one of our other friends uh, decided to buy the game for the purpose of playing as well. So yeah. With that, though, let's, uh, let's get into the background of the game. Yeah, so Rogue Company is published by High res Studios and developed by First Watch Games, which is a subsidiary of High res um, And Rogue Company is their very first game. Um, High res is most uh, notably known for their previous titles, Smite and Paladins, um, both very competitive games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, neither Shay or I have really played either a lot. Um, but I mean, we've heard great things and they definitely, I think have very good reputation. So where you have high hopes, uh, just right off the bat for Rogue Company because of that reputation. For sure. Um, now Rogue Company has been in active development for two years and is a result of Lucier, the lead developer. And this is just a quote from them saying that they hope this game will present players with dynamic combat puzzles. The roster of playable mercenaries is one part of the puzzle, as each of them is suited to slightly different playstyles and can be built out into slightly different ways using the shop. Another aspect is the player's own skill set and their tempo. We're going to be dissecting mm-hmm. that quote, but essentially this game um, has some layers to it. And 
is unique. I think it fits an interesting uh, place in the gaming world. Definitely. We're going to break it all down. The essential vibe of Rogue Company is it's a classic 4v4 style third-person shooter in the very same vein as games like CSGO, Valorant, and Tom Clancy Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah, and you know Henry and I are huge third-person fans. We love the third-person games, Breakpoint, Wildlands, Tom Clancy. Those are some of ours, favorites of all time, and I grew up playing the Uncharted games. So that was definitely a bonus for us diving into this one. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the universe and lore behind this game. You know, obviously this game is still in early development. We're in the beta phase of the game right now, and so we're talking to you guys about it a little bit sooner. But in terms of the world and storytelling, there really hasn't been a lot yet announced. Uh, The basic story is that there's a group of mercs and they're part of the Rogue Company, which is an intense crew of combat specialists, each drawn to the idea of working outside the confines of the law. In an interview with Evelyn Fredrickson, she is the lead narrative director who previously worked at Blizzard for 15 years, doing a lot of narrative work with World of Warcraft. Uh, She mentions that a future map will include nods to Smite, uh, which is a little bit part of the lore. And the lead developer, Scott Lucier, also mentioned in an interview, there's a lot of talk about blowing up maps, supposedly in like dev meetings and stuff in similar veins to Fortnite. So they're definitely looking at the lore and universe that a lot of other games have done and kind of trying to draw some inspirations from that into this universe. But like Henry was saying earlier, cinematic trailer, cool story, got our attention to start for sure. Yeah, definitely set on this. I mean, just the title rogue company mm-hmm. seems like uh criminal mercenary groups exactly. you know essentially and it's interesting to see like how um how the teams work mm-hmm. you know everybody's very independent uh, there's not really like an a team and a b team mm-hmm. it's kind of like a lot of individuals that are just teaming up uh for this round or this game so It'll be interesting to see how when the game launched, the lore kind of kicks off and how it develops as uh, the potential maps come into the game mm-hmm. and maybe leave the game. For sure. It's going to be really exciting to see, I think. Uh, most important thing, though, about Rogue Company is the rogues, though. So let's dive into those. I think maybe just start by, we'll list all these off so you guys get a basic understanding of their names. We have Anvil. Should I give a little description with each one, maybe, or just kind of dive through them? Um, yeah. Okay. We got Anvil, big heavy hitter, huge guy, carries around his LMG, kind of a monster. We got Shock, reminds me a lot of Octane, okay? Got a lot of that kind of craziness vibe to him. Dallas, a little bit of the too cool for school, suave kind of guy, carries around his revolver, very much in that cowboy vein. We got Dima, Henry, you want to speak to Dima as your most Dima player? Dima's the Grenader, Um, definitely. (laughs) Carries a lot of grenades. Uh, their ultimate is a grenade launcher. Um, next one, Glitch, is yeah. essentially a hacker. Mm-hmm. We can dive into more of their kit. Lancer is a flanker um, with speed boosts and mm-hmm. the ability to have silent footsteps. Very interesting kit. Ooh, my favorite next. We got Phantom, the sniper of the group. Absolute badass. And sniper gives her all the credit she needs. We got Ronan, who is one of the, like, main staples of this game thus far uh she's really showcased in the advertising and such and has a very good ability kick uh kit to back it up and she's very much in that like main like attacker but versatile player has a really cool like data knight trip mine kind of thing 
and which is really, really fun. Then we got Saint, the healer, the medic of the group. You know, we come from Apex. We call Saint Lifeline a lot of the time, unfortunately. Yeah, I don't know if that's seen as a negative, but it's just how the brain operates. For here. sure. Uh, next, you have Scorch, who uh, is pretty much kind of like how it sounds. Flames, uh, all sorts of fire grenades, incendiary rounds, very cool kit. Um, you have Talon. Um, you've played a little more Talon. I don't even have this. I haven't played yet. Talon, actually, yeah. but our third that plays with us a lot of the time plays Talon, and he definitely loves Talon. And a little sneak peek, we'll dive into it and as a pro later on, but Talon very much got a shift already to his gameplay from when the game went into beta versus now. Uh, very much impacted his viability. Yeah, pretty much like close quarters recon mm-hmm. sort of ability kit. Then you have Trench, uh, which is a very great name, a defensive uh, mm-hmm. rogue who put down barbed wire. Um, I've used this uh, rogue a little bit, especially when I was first getting the hang of it. Very cool, honestly. And then last you have Vi, mm-hmm. which is centered around poison. So we're really covering a lot of a lot of bases with these rogues and their abilities. Um, you can you can be whoever you want to be for sure. Essentially, you got everything. Yeah, and thirteen rogues off the bat, really really cool. And what's even more impressive is each rogue has their own voice lines, uh, interaction with characters at this other, at this point now. And so to see this kind of like uniqueness already built into the game off the drop is really, really uh, promising for the future of the game. You mentioned it a little bit, but give the listeners a little bit of an overview of who you've played thus far. Yeah, so I've played Dima, Anvil, and Trench, and then a little bit of Saint, just mm-hmm. because I think, at least my team thinks Saint is very, very strong. Um, but essentially, I like Dima the best. They're my go-to, mm-hmm. uh, essentially because of the gun. Um, we're going to get to that. Uh, a little later, but the gunplay is very important. I think when you're picking your own uh, main or your own favorite rogue, um, the weapon has to play a lot into that. Definitely. The Um, weapon is very important. Yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, every single rogue has their own unique uh, kit that you can upgrade and have different Mm -hmm. things that you may use, may not use. You know, we'll dive into that. Anvil, uh, like Shay was saying, is kind of this heavy hitter uh, defensive. They have an LMG mm-hmm. for one of their weapons and this uh, barricade wall you can slam down. Uh, very useful and, you know, objective-based games. Uh, so definitely lean towards Anvil a couple times. And then, you know, like I was saying about Trench, um, I really, I like their weapon and I think it's kind of useful to have the the barbed wire. But I definitely think I main Dima and I don't know if I'm proud of it. Like, <laughs> when I first hopped on the game, I was like, okay, Dima is kind of one of the premier rogues in the marketing, like, kind of alongside Ronan. But grenade launchers, you know, I grew up with Modern Warfare, <laughs> noob tubes. I don't know if I can get behind this uh, player, but I, I just, I really like their weapon. Grenades are really good. Um, it's straightforward for me. It works. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to me, I've played mostly uh, Phantom to start. I don't know why. I never snipe in this in video games in general. But for some reason, I'm pretty good at sniping in Rogue Company. They must have a lot of aim assist in there. 
Uh, I've been playing a lot of Lancer as well, as Henry was saying, kind of the flanker, very speedy, silent character. Uh, she's very fun to play in a different play style for me from Phantom. And then besides that, I've been playing a little bit of Anvil as well. Um, it's really cool. You know, 13 rogues off the bat. I believe you get it's either six or seven to start. Depending on what level of the get, pack. Like, I think you hop in and you have five and then you can unlock a mm, few. Yeah. And so essentially each rogue has their own individual set of abilities. Uh, kind of one ultimate ability to like establish their dominance. Yeah. And then they have, you know, individual unique guns, grenades, and perks for each kit. There is some overlap on those three between the rogues, but generally each one has something that like kind of separates it and plays into its play style a little bit more with some of them even having, you know, guns that other legends or rogues have no access to. Yeah, it's very interesting how uh, the different kits are defined. One of the things that I was shocked by uh, for some reason is <laughs> even though it's a 4v4 um, respawn game, yeah, you have this quote-unquote ultimate ability mm -hmm. right off the drop. Mm -hmm. So if you can just run into the first fight, guns blazing in full glory right off the bat, there's no charge up initially. Mm -hmm. uh, for that kind of big ability. And I think that's kind of interesting to say the least because you pretty much have what you need, what defines your character right off the bat. And then there's the whole upgrade tree. For sure. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the gunplay in Rogue Company. So third person game, as we mentioned. And one of the first things that kind of came to Henry and I's attention with third person games is the shoulder swap. The shoulder swap is key in these games. and if it feels good and fluid and smooth, it can really define how the game plays. And I think, at least in my opinion, the gunplay feels really nice. The time to kill feels good where you can pretty fastly kill somebody, especially if you're hitting headshots. But I never feel like, oh man, I just got absolutely dropped, unless the sniper with the one-shot headshot. Yeah, that's for sure. Just to kind of reiterate the whole third-person shoulder-swapping view, mm -hmm. it's like this, it's not as tactical as maybe some of the Tom Clancy games yeah. are, um, but having that ability really allows you to fluidly move around cover and to see and protect your body, which we really like and mm -hmm. I think allowed to be a good game. But just to kind of echo that time to kill as well, it's interesting, depending on where you're coming from, this game's going to feel different. Oh, yeah. You know, there's no armor, you know, mm -hmm. so you're not upgrading armor. There is a perk. There is. There's one perk that gives that's you 25 true. armor, but that's, it's not like, like what you're saying. It's there's not different like Apex ways to or get anything. more hit yeah. points for sure. Um, but like the time to kill is very different. You know, you're coming from COD, mm -hmm. um, like Modern Warfare, you do knock people down. So it's a respawn game, but you have that ability to revive, which is honestly pretty unique. Definitely. So if you're coming from that vein, it's unique. You're coming from the Battle Royale, you know, limited armor, um, very different there. And then I would say it feels a little bit more tactical, especially with the shoulder swap than Fortnite. So oh, definitely. this definitely is a very unique spot. And I think so far they've done a great job with it. Yeah. I think, you know, we haven't played a ton of these like 
games that are in the same genre, you know, the CSGO. Yeah. I just started playing Valorant literally last night. And so like I have a little bit of comparison for it. Uh, and then the other one being Siege, which I've played a little bit of as well. And it very much feels like a more casual and approachable version of those games with the slightly longer time to kill and just kind of like the movement and feel of it. Like there is a double B to evade mm-hmm. roll, like barrel roll, which that kind of movement is not in those other games that are in this kind of play style. And those really shift the gunfights and the gunplay in general. I mean, I love crouching. Mm-hmm. If I could, I'd like to lay down the whole game. Like, but <laughs> and monitor a target-rich environment. Don't call me out on it, okay? <laughs> I just want to keep myself safe. I'm the sniper in this game. I don't know. I, I, we're calling me out, if anything. Yeah. Stay in the back. Get some kills. Protect the stats. Um, but yeah, I like how this game plays from a gunplay perspective. And honestly, any shooter that we're playing... Mm-hmm. It always comes down to the gunplay. Like, I don't care how flashy the abilities are or how pretty the maps are. Gun feel is a huge, huge thing for me. I agree. Like, it, it, it makes or breaks the game for me. Like, I will either not play it if I, uh, I don't think the guns are there. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Talking a little bit about the future of the guns. Uh, another quote from the lead developer. Our plan with the weapons long term is that when they debut, they might be unique to that class, but they're going to be reused on future mercs as well. So we, if we have Dallas, who is a sheriff type character, and then if we do another sheriff down the road, he might have the same revolver that's unique to Dallas right now. And so we will be reusing guns, and that's just for a familiarity standpoint. So you're not going to have as many guns as compared to games like Rainbow Six Siege, but the depth is still going to be there in their opinion. And I think one of your first impressions of this game was like, there's a lot of customization. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely true. And, you know, I'm okay with having, you know, the same guns within different classes. Mm -hmm. I'm honestly okay with it because I think that familiarity is really important. And as much as I was saying, like the gun really defines if I like playing the rogue, I like the idea that maybe one gun isn't just tied to one, mm-hmm. uh, one player, you know? So other people, like if I really like this one assault rifle and somebody takes my main, I can still get to that gun another way. I think that's good. And it also, you know, avoids the whole issue of like, okay, if a gun is broken and unbalanced, you don't feel like you're just out of complete, like I didn't even get to pick that character and mm-hmm. I don't get that gun. And you kind of avoid that by, having a little bit of a recycle on some of the weapons. Totally. And coming from, you know, CSGO, mm-hmm. um, but also like Modern Warfare, you have create a class and BRs, you get to pick up weapons. Like if my teammate takes my favorite gun, oh, now I can't have it anymore. That's not necessarily a thing in this game where it could have been a pain point for some people. For sure. And big aspect of the game is buying and having a buy round. Uh, this game is very much round based. And so we're kind of going to kind of go over the shop and store itself and what your options are and maybe even give a little bit of our opinions. Uh, we have played a pretty good amount of the game and Honestly, I'll, yeah. I'll say we, we have some pretty good statistics. The win percentage is pretty solid, I would say. Yeah, I mean, maybe some people 
don't like how we approach games. <laughs> I just want to get those wins. Like we come, we came into this game pretty competitive. Mm-hmm. Like we, when we first kind of started grinding Apex, that was a challenge for us. Mm-hmm. This, we kind of barreled down and kind of got serious. So I feel like as I've gotten better at shooting games, because I was not mm-hmm. a huge like shooter, you know, for a long time, I've become more competitive in my shooting games. And then if I want to have fun and joke around, I'm playing Fall Guys or like something else. Like I'll play the fun games for fun. And then if I want to win, I'm going to play something like this. So essentially break down the buying. So you have uh, you option to purchase one of two primary weapons per rogue. And those have three upgrades assigned to them. Should we talk about that before we dive into anything else? Yeah, this is a very deep mechanic. So you're, Earning money. Mm-hmm. And depending on the game mode, you're going to start with a little bit of cash. Yep. And you spend that cash on lots of different things mm-hmm. to unlock them, to upgrade them, or to change. And starting with that primary, every rogue has two options. You can only carry one of them. Mm-hmm. So you can buy one. And if mid game you decide, oh, I suck at this gun, mm-hmm. you can buy a second one. But that's going to replace the other. Definitely. So I don't know if that's uh, recommended, but it's an option here. So you just have tons of customization uh, with what you decide to buy. And then upgrading that weapon is really important, at least in Henry and I's opinion, to play this game. You know, first two upgrades are kind of like basic, like damage, range. That kind of thing. Mag size. Mag size. And then the third upgrade is normally has like a little bit of a special ability that goes with it in a way. Like I know uh, one is like decreases recoil and hip fire like ADS. Like there's a there's like a cup like everyone is unique for each yeah. rogue. But like there are special abilities for the th- guns on that third upgrade at sometimes. Yeah. Uh, at least with the ones that I've been playing, it pretty much seems like increase the mag size increase the mag size and then maybe increase the damage slightly or the range mm-hmm. or in that hip fire or the ADS. So very, I think we can just come out and say it. Primary weapon, very important. You Definitely. Know, hop in, pick a rogue, pick one of the primary weapons. You're going to have versatility. Like some mm-hmm. of them is either LMG or a shotgun, SMG or an AR. Like you got lots of like kind of polar opposites choices. It's very much like the extremes in either direction. Then you have the ability to upgrade your secondary gun or a melee. The melee weapons are really fun in this game, at least to start. Swords, baseball bats, uh, any other ones off the top of your head? You got some weird stuff. Like hammers, yeah, all sorts of things. And but the baseball bat, at least, is what Dima has. I'm cool with that. The melees are powerful in this game, so you can throw your melees at people. That's crazy. And if you hit those melee throws, oh my goodness, you deal out some serious damage, like legit. And if you hit someone in the head, it's a it's a kill most of the time. Yeah, and that it's really cool. Like and. Being able to upgrade that melee to mm-hmm. make it do more damage on the throw is also pretty funny. And to carry two of them sometimes is another upgrade as well. Yeah. Very cool to have kind of a throwing throwing knife mechanic, mm-hmm. but it's in like a baseball bat form. And talking in that same vein, uh, you can pick things up. 
So when mm-hmm. you die, you usually are going to drop that primary, but you can also drop the gadgets like grenades. You can pick up a melee after it's thrown. So it's like, it's interesting to see how maybe if you run out of ammo, you can actually pick up a weapon. Yep. If you, you know, throw your grenade, you could find another laying around. So the looting element is also here in the game. I, I think I use it um, a fair bit. I do too. Definitely. Um, Especially definitely looking if you're, for the stuff. Yeah. And if you're going for the long lives, like you run out of ammo in this game a pretty yeah. good amount of time. Next, we have the gadgets. So two gadgets. These range. Frag grenades, EMPs, flashbangs, sticky sensors that you throw on walls uh, that like outline people, trophy systems. You got all different sorts of C4. So many different things. And you normally have two options. One of them is normally a slightly more unique item. And then the other one is uh, a bit more general, like a Semtex or a frag or something like that. What are your thoughts on explosives in this game, Henry? Because you're a Dima, so you got yeah. the experience. As the explosive specialist, um, <laughs> mega, mega. I mean, grenades are really, really powerful, mm-hmm. you know, especially in an objective-based game like this. Like, being able to nade points, to be able to anticipate respawns, chokes, like, explosives are really important. We'll say that also as the explosive expert, I kill myself, embarrassing, (laughs) but worse off, damage and kill my teammates. So there is friendly explosive damage in this game. So that's something to look out for, but um, I'd say try to use them to an advantage. My legend that I play is pretty much hardwired for it, but I buy the grenade and upgrade it. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. That's my two cents on the gadgets. Yeah, I normally end up upgrading my grenade as well, just depending on which uh, legend or rogue I'm using. Then you got six perks. So perks are purchasable for cash, and there's two $10,000 perks, and those are usually like the best ones and the most important. And then you got two that are 6500 and two that are 4000 one might be 8,500. I was looking at a picture of the upload screen. It's too blurry for me to be able to tell uh, for sure. <laughs> and they're all different. They on are the all different. So you have some versatility there. And so these are tons of different things, like adding armor. So you get 25 additional health that doesn't regen, but like mm-hmm. you get that stuff like canceling aim down sight speed or uh, reducing uh, explosive damage, you know, reload while sprinting. There's tons of different things. and normally they are unique to the rogue and so like you have abilities that roll over between different people but depending on who you play you won't have the ability to get the perk that you may have liked with someone else yeah perks are incredibly important um kind of based on my own curiosity um when i was playing a little bit by myself just to try to practice a little bit Mm -hmm. um i was not buying a primary Mm. uh and kind of upgrading my pistol and then trying to max out perks mm-hmm. um, and just see how I can upgrade the mobility, upgrade the damage, things like that. And there's some really cool ones. Some of my favorite perks are when you get a knock, oh, you yeah. upgrade your weapon. It's huge. It's huge. Like reload speed is also really nice. Mm-hmm. Um, another favorite of mine is uh, faster regen. Um, there's no healables in this game. It's just a regen health. Mm-hmm. Um, and so 
I think that's really nice when you get a knock, getting a faster regen afterwards, also very nice. Um, There's some big perks though, and they're expensive. Like you said, Mm -hmm. 10,000 are some of the best ones. Uh, That's a chunk of change. Like you got to be getting some kills, getting some objectives in order to afford things like that. But how it's structured, I think is really cool. Yeah. And the perks are awesome. And so essentially how this buying format works is you start the game with a certain amount of cash, more or less, depending on the mode, which we'll go into in a second. And then you upgrade whatever you want, buy new perks, and you retain those from round to round. Uh, And then a couple, one of the modes has a halftime, which means you switch sides and then you reset and lose everything you bought. But for the most part, it's all progression based and you keep everything you buy and continue to try and upgrade and add to your kit in a way. Get more money based off of performance. Uh, But Henry and I haven't really felt like if you have a bad round, you're screwed. Like you're still going to be able to buy stuff and make a comeback. Yeah. You know, I, I think I agree with that. You know, it's, I really like how the mechanic works. Um, you can save your money and get mm-hmm. those kind of bigger perks. You can focus your money into a specific weapon or kind of say, okay, I'm going to get grenades and I'm going to make my grenades really good. I like that, you know, because as you uh, begin to refine one rogue, you can kind of pick, okay, I really like using the secondary in the first round. And, you know, buying that nade, uh, you know, right off the bat. Mm -hmm. But I think overall, got to recommend the primary weapons and upgrading it just because that's kind of the bread and butter. Definitely. Um, And then the secondary is uh, focusing on those perks because I think a lot of them are really game changing. Mm -hmm. But you kind of got to, you got to play to win Mm -hmm. in order to afford that stuff, essentially. But like Shay was saying... Even if you lose a round, doesn't mean you're down and out. Mm-hmm. Like you're still gonna get some money from assists. You're still gonna get a couple kills. Like I think it's all right how it's balanced. I agree. It's really good. I think in comparison to some of these other games that are similar, where you can take some serious L's for dying early. Let's talk about the game modes for Rogue Company, and we'll go through these one by one, kind of give our opinions on them. Uh, starting with Demolition. Demolition is the most competitive mode in Rogue Company. It's objective-based with an attacking and defending team. The attackers must plant a bomb at one of the two designated bomb sites, while the defending team protects the sites. Either side can also win by eliminating the entire opposing team. It's reminiscent of Counter-Strike, both six rounds per side. This is a very cool game mode. I will say it's long uh, compared to the Mm -hmm. other ones. But I'm cool with it. You know, you have one uh, life per round. Mm -hmm. And so it's a very kind of high stakes. You don't want to just be rushing the objective and stuff like that. But I think it's a really fun mode. It's it's very competitive, just like they claim. This is kind of the bread and butter of these types of games and kind of where if they are going to make a push into like professional play or anything along those lines, it's going to be with this kind of game mode. I'll also say with Demolition that because the length is so long sometimes, you're going to be able to fully upgrade Mm -hmm. the kit each round, most likely, you know, especially if you're uh, doing well. Um, And that's really nice, you know, and some of the other 
game modes, they're a little bit shorter and you don't really get to get all your perks sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, but in Demolition, I pretty much feel very confident that I'm going to be able to get anything I want just based on the number of rounds you're going to be playing. Definitely. Next, we have Strikeout. Strikeout is a team deathmatch-like mode where each team of four starts with 12 tickets. The tickets are basically vouchers that allow you to respawn. Eliminating players and holding control points diminish the opposing team's number of lives or tickets. Control points rotate every round, and controlling it for 30 seconds reduces the enemy ticket count by one. Each team starts with 12,000 cash and must win a total of three rounds for victory. Rounds last five minutes at most with an eight-second respawn interval. This is the main game mode, I would say. That we play, at least, yeah. Like, it's kind of, it's the, the casual mode. Mm-hmm. You know, I think this is kind of where the majority of players are going to fall. And it's really fun. Uh, to give some perspective, Demolition, I think you start with 4,000 cash. Okay. Um, and so, you're getting three times that amount um, in Strikeout. With only 4,000, you can't even afford a primary weapon. So, yeah. the first round, you're going in with maybe a pistol. Essentially, you might upgrade it. You might go melee, maybe a grenade. But Strikeout, you're pretty much going to start right off the bat with the primary. I really like it. Um, it's interesting, though, like because I at least feel it's you know the casual mode for this game. Still, if your team isn't playing the objective, mm-hmm. you will get run. Like Losing those lives based on not holding the objective really hurts. Like It's not just about the scoreboard. It's a big difference. It's affecting the game. Like, it don't matter if you're killing them. If they're holding the point, they're killing you. Definitely. And you start with 12, and it costs 8 to buy a primary mm-hmm. and 4 to get a grenade or a first perk. So you have to kind of make that decision off the bat of, if I'm buying a gun, do I hold the rest of my 4000 to try and get that $10,000 perk next round? Yeah. Or how do I go about it? It kind of, I love the strategy element that kind of transpires in these types of game modes. But yeah, Strikeout, really fun. Uh, a lot less stressful, you know, with the whole being able to respawn kind of thing. Yeah. Any other thoughts? I really like it. This is my favorite mode for sure. Um, I like, it's still uh, fairly serious, you know, it does have the respawns, but when we first hop in, into the game, I kind of thought that um, it would show you the stats on how many deaths uh, your teammates had, which I thought would be kind of funny because because each team has 12 tickets or 12 extra lives i thought it'd be funny if you know i on the team was taking all the deaths and other people didn't get any other tries yeah you don't get to see that unfortunately that's not a thing um which is kind of cool next we have extraction extraction mode is a control point mode where teams fight over an area of the map the control point changes from round to round normally one of the control points is closer to one side and so you have a little bit of an attack and defense vibe to it uh very similar to like hard point and call of duty if that draws any similarities for you yeah i mean all these modes are very objective focused you know mm-hmm. which is cool you're either holding an area or planting a bomb or hacking something um which i think really helps to focus the game and just kind of how the size of the maps are mm-hmm. it's like you need to play the objective because if you fight super far away you can get back to the objective sometimes but it's pretty hit or miss on like if you're going to get back for that defuse if you're playing like demolition or something extraction newer mode though and very fun thus far yeah i agree 
Uh, they've also spoken that there are going to be more game modes to come, one of which is King of the Hill. Uh, lead developer says we have a lot of different ideas that we're exploring. King of the Hill is one of the ones that is highest on the board because people love King of the Hill. Oh. I love King of the Hill, but it has to hit the pillars of the game, which is a lot of replayability and needs to include the item shop and it has to be dynamic. I love King of the Hill. This would be very fun. There aren't a lot of games with this kind of like game mode in them right now. Yeah, games that actually build them in to the actual mechanics. I think it's cool. It's exciting. You know, we love post-launch development, you know, on a personal level. And that's where the genre is right now of just video games. Mm -hmm. Like, you need post-launch support, new content, new updates, new modes, all sorts of stuff. And so to see that, yes, we will be getting plenty of that and Mm -hmm. they're excited to have new modes and new maps is really encouraging. Yeah, before we dive into the next thing, let's talk a little bit about the maps in yeah. general. What have been your first impressions just of them? Do you like the structure and layout? Yeah, I mean, I think they look really cool. Oh, the graphics um, are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something to mention right off the bat. There's also cool mechanics on the maps, uh, notably zip lines. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting, uh, no destructibility. Um, there are vehicles, but they're not going to kill you. Mm-hmm. Like You can't explode them. Uh, which is kind of unique uh, for games that have that. Um, in most, uh, you know, 4v4, 5v5 uh, style games, there's usually three lanes, mm-hmm. essentially, that you break down. I think this this map structure kind of is quite unique. Like, they're not super defined lanes. Yeah. Um, they do have them. You know, there's left, like, right, flank. There's like three kind of lanes, but yeah. there's just so many bridges off mm-hmm. of them and so many other choke points you can run into and such that, it, like you're saying, it does not always feel like, okay, who's going to run down this big area first and get shot? You know, like mm-hmm. there's so many flanking and ulterior ways to get to the other side of the map. Yeah, I'd say the maps are pretty dynamic. And, you know, I'd also mention that it's a pretty singular plane game. You know, there's not really multi-story mm-hmm. buildings that you're going up to and sniping down. There is some verticality, um, but Very for the little. most part, pretty, pretty even, um, which is honestly good. You know, nobody likes to get sniped from a rooftop and things like that, especially in a fast-paced game like this. So... I think the maps are good. I'm impressed by them. I like to play them. Yeah, the maps definitely play into the, the simplicity of the games and mm-hmm. that like it just keeps everything smooth and going along. You can't really camp, honestly. Like your ADSs and your uh, lines of sight, like people can see it. People can flank you. And the maps are, I think they're perfectly sized right now. Like they're small enough where you can assist your team if need be, but they're also large enough where you can make good flank plays if you need to for your team. So it's a really good balance. I think they nailed it for sure. Absolutely. Let's talk a bit about the launch strategy of Rogue Company. First and foremost, Rogue Company is going to be a free-to-play game. Right now, though, the only way to enter the beta is to purchase the current beta version. $15 at entry level. I don't actually know what the top one goes up to off the top of my head. Do you have that by any chance? I know there's a 24 or $25 option, but I think there's one even above that. There might be one that's about 50 as well. The other way to get access to the game is to obtain it via Twitch drops. So watch your favorite streamers play Rogue Company or anybody else play Rogue Company, like the Good Games Podcast, and you might get access to a stream key. 
Another cool thing about their launch is that crossplay and cross progression are going to be available on release. They're already available right now as well in the beta. What are your just overall thoughts just on this style? Dang unique. Mm-hmm. Dang unique. I mean, we were just talking off air about how do you launch a game? How do you make a game successful? And, you know, some of you know me kind of well. I'm a stickler. I'm frugal <laughs> with my money. I, I don't really like uh, paying a lot of money for games. You know, essentially, now that we have all these free games, tough for me to play mm-hmm. and uh, pay money uh, for it. But this game got me to pay $15 to, to play a free game, which I think is pretty impressive, um, but just an interesting strategy. You know, to have a beta, but charge people to be a part of it in order to gain that traction. And as far as we know, I think the biggest reason that I was able to cave and buy it was we had an unknown release date. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know how long I was going to have to wait for this game. It worked. It so really did work. Props to them. Yeah, I'm excited to see what this game does by the time of release and how the actual release plays out. Just because it is interesting to see kind of how a game that is going through these streams and Twitch drops, which is a very new and interesting concept to me. And Twitch numbers aren't crazy for a game like Rogue Company right now. And I don't think they were expecting them to be, and I wouldn't expect them to be just off of the style of game. Even the most successful games like in the same vein are not like breaking leaderboards or anything on Twitch. And so we'll see if, you know, coming out of the uh, drop and into the full-on release date, what they do working with streamers and stuff, because they got some stuff, we'll mention it in a second, but they've seemed to have some very progressive ideas on what to do, and I think they could see some serious success from it. Any other thoughts? I think that covers it. We like it. It's awesome. Uh, Henry and I like to wrap it up by kind of, uh, before making our final predictions, just go over some impressions of the game. Talk about some pros. Talk about some cons. And honestly, I'll be a little spoiler alert, but I felt like we were nitpicking with the cons a little bit. Like yeah. overall, just in, first and foremost, this game's fun. It's not like a BR like craziness all the time. It's just like a hey, you're gonna pop it on. It's not like super super difficult, sweaty, competitive competitiveness it's just a fun time and a good game yeah and like we said at the top of the show if you're gonna be on this show it's got to be a good game so we do the pros and cons and you know maybe sometimes there'll be a red flag but essentially we're gonna be pretty positive on this for sure but let's break it down for sure starting with the pros mm, roll off a couple of these and then talk about them i think how'd we do it last time we went one by one One but we can tell them what's up lots of characters in third person Impressive, a list of rogues. Mm-hmm. Honestly, it's a lot of a lot of balancing, a lot of stuff to just drop right off the bat. Yeah, thirteen off the rip is kind of crazy. With the promise of more to come, it's building up a very solid, solid player base and very fun. Third person speaks for itself. Henry and I just love the third person for sure. Uh, having objective focused gameplay, we think is a pro. Kind of just makes people stay in the game, mm-hmm. kind of stay focused, encourages the teamwork. We think that's positive and healthy. Um, the balanced store mechanic of buying and upgrading, I think is super fun and a great strategic layer of the game. Yeah, and I don't think it's overwhelming either. Like you definitely have to read through the perks 
but you get a handle on it pretty quickly. Like I just played Valorant last night and oh my goodness, I still have no idea what is going on in that store <laughs> at all. And so this, it, it very much was like, yeah, simple, quick and easy to use. And you can read through everything that's in the store and the menus if you want to. So like yeah. you have the time to kind of look over that stuff and it's all simple. It makes sense. Yeah. It's simple, but also kind of deep. You Simple know, and like deep, you yeah. You have multiple levels of upgrades, but it's all kind of digestible, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Fast-paced, fun gameplay. Henry really and I cool. really enjoy this one. Cool potential for lore. And maybe this is just because Henry and I are huge fans of the whole spy genre, John Wick, Continental, James Bond style thing. But I'm like, I see this kind of rogue company and I'm like, that's a movie. That could be some fun stuff for sure. It could be. And then last pro is the graphics. This game looks really clean. Like, mm-hmm. I like the style of it. It's cool. You know, if you like traditional shooters with no laser beams or futuristic mm-hmm. stuff, this is a bullets. Guns feel really good. Look really good. Um, 21st century shooter. It's, Solid. It's still not like in that same like military sim vibe, yeah. but it's not like into the Fortnite or even the Apex style mm-hmm. like of Art, I think, is yeah, the right word. Not super cartoony. Not really, no. Um, pretty pretty grounded, I'd say. Uh, let's talk about some of the cons. First and foremost, a lot of overlap in the game modes. You know, some of them play very similarly. Uh, big difference, obviously, between like Strikeout and Extraction and Demolition. But Extraction and Demolition play very similarly. And even Strikeout, outside of the respawning thing, it's all one objective. Yeah, what? And we're saying it's con just because it, it's similar. You know, it's not, game modes are typically going to be pretty dang unique. There's mm-hmm. not a traditional TDM, you know, which is interesting for a game. That was a choice they made. We're seeing it play out. Yeah. Lacks a little bit of the unlimited replayability, it, at least right now, in our opinion. It's obviously still in beta, yeah. so, you know, there could be more to come, but like kind of, goes into the whole similar game mode style of thing and that everything is very straightforward and simple right now yeah it's a little harsh you know digging at the replayability we're not saying this game is gonna die no not i think it's still it has legs still has lots of potential we're talking about it before launch Mm -hmm. but i think some of the simplicity doesn't allow a lot of skill development Is that kind of what we're looking at? A little bit. And part of it is that, you know, a lot of these games, a lot of the big draw to continue to play and replay them is having the competitive mode or the ranked mode, which isn't in the game right now. And I'm sure it will be at some point, either off launch or in the future, because that kind of adds that grindability to the Mm -hmm. game that it just lacks a little bit right now. Yeah, we don't really see that. Um, objective locations, sometimes a little bit one-sided. What are your thoughts on that yeah, one? Depends on the game mode, but a lot of the times, uh, we'll see a objective on one side of the map and we'll just say, dang, they have amazing cover on that side. Mm-hmm. Or we have amazing cover. We have a head glitch. We have high ground. We're winning this round. Like Definitely. we're going to have to mess it up or they're going to have to mess it up. And that kind of single-sided is kind of tough. Um, I don't know if it's a it's a map issue or if it's purely just an objective locations and refining the cover a little bit. Um, 
but sometimes we definitely feel that hmm, it's not it's not a an even playing field depending on what side the spawns are. I think that's fair to say. We also have rogues being at different prices when it comes to unlockability. It's just uh, it's kind of weird to put this as a con, but it's just a kind of a little bit confusing thing to us. Like, what does it mean when it comes to rogue balancing and such? Like, are we trying to dictate that someone is better than the other person because they cost three times the amount of in-game currency to yeah. unlock? It's definitely puzzling. You know, different games have different guns, you know, unlocked at max tier. Does that mean they're the best weapons in the game? Sometimes, sometimes not. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is just kind of a, maybe a troubling thing. We put it as a con. Uh, it's, it's, it's unclear. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure uh, what to think of it yet, but it is kind of interesting just because we like balanced and we want all the all the rogues to be on an even playing field, but if some are way more expensive to unlock than others, kind of questions that. For sure. Uh, And then last but not least, just a little nitpick, on the scoreboard, I want to see the deaths. I want to see how many times my teammates die. I really do. Honestly, it's intense. And And I'd like to see damage in between rounds, too. Yeah, damage you don't really get to see till the end of the game. So just a little, little nitpick there, but just a little weird thing that we come to expect. But overall... A really fun and really, really good game, in my opinion. Let's dive into our predictions for the future of the game. Henry, what's your first prediction, just off the top of your head? Yeah, I think the game is going to do pretty well. You know, coming from the backing of Smite and Paladins, I think it has a pretty uh, solid fan base uh, from the developer, so I think it'll get some early traction. Um, How fun it is. I think also plays Mm -hmm. a big role into it. You know, I think a lot of content creators play very competitive games, especially right now. We're in kind of the craze of BRs all over. Um, It's it's tough to play those games again and again and again. So I think this game has an interesting opportunity to slide in there as a fun distraction. And once they get people, might be able to develop them into full time. Definitely. And one of the most promising things about this game is amazing community engagement thus far the community is very active on twitter the developers are um buffs and nerfs are coming out very quickly it is the beta phase but it's a lot quicker than games like hyperscape when they were in beta we're seeing a lot of adjustments we've already seen a new map and excitingly huge potential like really unprecedented in games like this is we've seen dr disrespect top three streamer in the world right now like from a size standpoint, uh, take a liking to Rogue Company and he's already at work, partnered with Hi-Rez Studios to design a map for the game. You know, the sketches are already online and it's just an awesome kind of way to see the game interact with its streamers and potentially bring in a huge audience this way. Um, We'll post the sketches because they're pretty cool up on the Instagram if you want to check them out there. But what are your your thoughts on this interaction between streamer and game like this? It's a really good step. You know, I think a lot of the content creating community value transparency and mm-hmm. communication with the developers. You know, a lot of people think that games live and die by their communities mm-hmm. and who is um, advertising the game, essentially, through YouTube or stream and things like that. And so this first step at bringing in 
uh, players to actually take part in designing the game is mm-hmm. very encouraging. Like that's very, very cool. I think it's super exciting for the future. That is a rogue company. Awesome game. I'm glad we got to dive deep on it. We'll probably get update you guys more on the actual release of the game once it comes out for full. Uh, but right now we're going to dive into the next couple of segments and wrap up the show. First of which being make it a game. You want to define this segment for the listeners? Yeah, so this is a segment that we think is pretty cool where we take an idea from the real world, whether it's a book or a movie or an event or something that we think could make a really amazing game, and we kind of try to define elements of that game. Yeah, and today's idea that we're toying around with, no secrets here, but Henry and I are huge Star Wars fans, and there's a lot of Star Wars games out there. This is personally one of my, like, babies in that I love the Clone Wars. The Clone Wars is my favorite time in the Star Wars universe. And so Henry and I are toying around with the idea of a Star Wars The Clone Wars clone-based game from a third-person perspective. Screw the Jedi. Screw the Sith. (laughs) We're not locked in on those people right now. We just want the clones, the real fighters of this war. What are kind of some of the elements you think could be incorporated into this game because this is just a great universe to pull from. Yeah, I think it could be very cool to have a game centered around a clone commando, mm-hmm. essentially. So like a high skill. Um, Captain have, Rex. Yeah, pretty much just be Rex, <laughs> um, be able to customize the aesthetics and the kit, you know, mm-hmm. work with the weapon. Uh, you had an idea kind of about pursuing different classes through a tech tree. Yeah. I mean, having some sort of, we see clones specialize in Mm -hmm. the shows and such in different elements. And so, you know, maybe my upgrades lead me to be the two pistol clone, or maybe I turn into the, uh, you know, rifleman kind of thing. And the other thing is, you know, if you're a commando, like you have control of a battalion for the most part. And so whether it be with that, you know, Tom Clancy style commands and game of move here, fire here, Mm -hmm. or some games have the full-on zoom out into the RTS real-time strategy style games, and it's like, okay, the troops are advancing here, and we're fighting this way. It could be really cool in that uh, direction. I know you've mentioned the idea of open world, too, as well with this universe. Yeah, I mean, one of my dreams for developing and publishing a game at some point is be able to have that boots on the ground and high high, uh, visibility kind Mm -hmm. of strategic view, but my idea is have an open world, huge map, mm-hmm. okay? It's Star Wars, is probably multi-planets, but have campaigns that take place on a planet Yep. where you pretty much can choose where to attack an enemy position, but you're going to be moving uh, towards a main objective, essentially. Mm-hmm. It's linear, but also open world. You have choices. It actually pulls, a, that's a little similar to kind of how Just Cause 4 was a little bit we didn't dive too deep into that one but there was definitely some element of like win advance this line and kind of expand your Mm -hmm. control kind of like risk style and i i really like that concept of doing it in an open world kind of like just cause did from a gunplay perspective any guns or games that you think could inspire the kind of fluidness that you would feel in a clone yeah i mean it's tough you know a lot of times we see semi-automatics, mm-hmm. you know, so a lot of Star Wars kind of has some parallels to World War One, World War II, mm-hmm. um, kind of 
M1, M4 uh, yep. kind of weapons. Um, and so I think a little bit of the inspiration could be taken from that. But there's a lot of cool options on how you approach uh, reloading um, and how kind of that works in the Star Wars universe. So I think there's some room for interpretation. Yeah. I think that's a cool idea. We really like this idea for sure. Any other thoughts before we wrap it up here? I think it's a cool game. I want to be Rex. I want to be Rex too. Give me Commander Cody. Let me do, control the squad, play with the Bad Batch like you were saying, and have a great mm-hmm. time. Next, we're going to wrap it up with Sell Me a Game. Henry, explain this segment to our very loyal listeners. Yeah, this is a fun one. This is a segment where we take turns pitching each other on games without necessarily giving away the name of it so we can see without bias if they're interested in it from like a features or a story perspective. Um, and then we kind of decide, is this is the other person interested in buying it, playing it, game sharing it, whatever. So <laughs> um, this is cool. And we do, we're trying to do kind of a range of games, introduce mm-hmm. each other to indie games, future games, current games, old games, kind of anything that we think uh, might sell. For sure. I really like this game mode and I heard this segment and I think that it went well last episode. Went very well. We're definitely excited for some games. Okay. Who went first last time? I went first. You go first. I'll go first this time. I got one word for you. Zombies. You know, you know me. I know know you. I know you, Henry. I'm interested. Technological parasites. Scary. So pretty much you get infected from this parasite and turn into a zombie. But squad-based tactical shooter game set several years in the future. You and your other operators will face off against a totally new breed of mutated alien parasites infecting human hosts and their surrounding. The new enemy is more lethal and more challenging than ever before in the series. Honestly, there's not a lot uh, that's come out about the game. It's coming out next year. It looks really cool. One trailer has dropped, and it's very simple. But from the rumors and leaks, a lot of zombie kind of mode waves coming at you. But three-person teams. I'm sure there's going to be a 3v3 kind of combat TDM style thing as well. But the main draw of it is this zombies mode, which I know you're a big fan of COD zombies and all that kind of stuff. This is developed by Ubisoft Studios. They're getting busy out there. They're getting busy. Part of one of your favorite series of all time, Henry. Cool. It's called Rainbow Six Quarantine, a Tom Clancy game. It's going to combine the gunplay and style you love with the zombies that I know you enjoy. That is fascinating. So Rainbow Six Quarantine is being developed by an entirely new team at Ubisoft Montreal that was inspired by the long-standing brand legacy of tactical co-op shooters and the varied cast of operators from Rainbow Six Siege to develop something that is truly more than the sum of its parts. That's crazy. And the first thing I'll say is, wow, like they waited long enough. Mm-hmm. Like COD Zombies has been out forever. Like the zombies trend is kind of on the down mm-hmm. now, but I like the idea. It's, it seems awesome. It's not, from my understanding of it, it is not supposed to be a replacement to Siege. Yeah. But it's supposed to offer that kind of real strategy and barricading aspect and defense of an area uh-huh. 
just with zombies in a way. Very interesting. I mean, Rainbow Six has so many cool mechanics like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the gunplay, I think I could definitely get excited about. Yeah, I mean, zombies, I'll go all night. No problem. <laughs> yeah, so, I, I've seen you vlog more hours straight on cool. zombies than anything else. So this one might do it for you. Who knows? They've mentioned, you know, kind of incorporating characters from other Tom Clancy games. Is that right? So if you drop in with Nomad, fight some zombies, maybe it's over. it's over. I know you're hooked at that Sorry. point. Sell me a game. Cool. That's a good one, Shay. <laughs> um, mine is pretty cool. Um, I don't know if you know this audience knows, but Shay, you just got a PC. I did. Game yes. PC. Huge, very exciting. Opened up your options. Opens up a a whole new world of games. Um, And, you know, I got a lot to pull from. But I wanted to pick a game this time where I have some experience with it. Okay. Um, And I guess my first entry is we, you like survival. kind of tactical we saw it in breakpoint mm-hmm. this kind of survival mechanic where you have food you have healables like you're kind of you have the option to play to survive okay and there's a game out there for pc of course <laughs> where it's all about survival it's the okay. whole thing um it also has a co-op mode so you can survive together minecraft <laughs> okay it has some overlaps with more minecraft honestly um but essentially what you're going to be doing is you're dropped into the middle of nowhere. Okay. okay? I like Probably it already. Probably a forest. Probably and forest. the viewpoint is um, a bird's eye view. Okay. Pretty much. So not third person, not mm-hmm. first person, but like way out. God mode. God mode. I yeah. love God mode. God person. <laughs> and so you're looking down and you're dropped into this random spot. And you don't have anything mm-hmm. and you have to collect sticks and rocks, build hammers and axes, cut down trees, okay. pull up grass. You can make tents, you can make fires, you can mm-hmm. make hats, you can make, um, this is kind of the fictional element of the game, but you create science machines in order to unlock new <laughs> tech to okay. build new things. And a big part of the game, which I don't know if you'd get all jazzed about, but is cooking. Oh, I like cooking in games. You pretty much have to go out. You can collect bees and create beehives. Oh, that's Uh, cool. You can dry meats in order to get through the winter. It's another thing. Seasonal. Okay. Um, So it's a survival game where, honestly, it's hard. Like, surviving 30 days is something that is pretty impressive. Okay. Because when that winter hits, you got to be ready because there's no more wood there's no more nothing you okay. gotta have firewood you gotta be up, ready food like you gotta be catching rabbits it's like real life it's like <laughs> real life man but the game is called don't starve okay it's pretty fun i've never heard of this game i'm definitely gonna have to it's check this on out steam i like it i think it's pretty fun and it has a co-op which i think is cool okay it actually is challenging does the um does like the survivability element of the game does it have like a, if you build it up, it's almost like you can't die aspect to it that a lot of these, some of these games do have? Honestly, no. Okay. Anything can kill you very quickly. And one of the other mechanics is you have, it's a day and night cycle. Mm-hmm. You do not want to be 
out at night without animals? a fire. Yes. And so you have No, I can't health, kill animals and games. You have your health, you have your uh, stomach, so you have to eat, and you have your sanity. So if you're out at Whoa. night, you can start seeing things, and you can die if your insanity gets to zero. I like that. So, and things will actually, like, if you go insane or you're starting to go insane, things will attack you that aren't really there, and you'll die. So I like that. It gets really tricky, and I, I haven't gotten to a part in it where I'm like, Nothing can stop me. I'm, I'm all the way up. I want. Yeah, but you get armor and weapons. It's a pretty deep game. I, I think like it's kind that. of fun. Maybe we'll have to run a few. We might have to run some of that. That sounds very interesting. And my little laptop can run it. So Oh, then I definitely got it's it hopeful. then. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, that was another good sell me a game. Uh, this is a fun segment. I'm already excited for the next ones. Uh, wrapping it up with one question from Ultima Trooper. Great pod. I came from the third-party pod and have a game request you should review ghost of tsushima it's on the list it's on the list for sure we just gotta cough up the big bucks and Mm -hmm. get going we've just been busy i want to play this game for sure though definitely guys make sure to subscribe to us on apple pods Uh, give us a follow on spotify leave a five-star review with your question we'll answer it on our next episode or leave a five-star review with your game recommendation for us to cover and we'll also talk about it Follow us on Instagram at GoodGamesPod. Take it easy, guys. Peace. The rules have changed. There's a fine line between right and wrong. And somewhere in the shadows, they send us in to find them. Watch your six actual. Target is in the main house. You have execute authority. Bravo 6. Going dark.